Uh, well, it's lovely to see uh, you all at the seminar. Thank you so much for coming to the seminar. As, as, um, as uh, uh, Mark this morning, during the Bible reading in the intro, he's, he sort of read out the range of different seminars that are on right now. I was thinking, well, that seminar sounds a fantastic one, and that one. So, uh, so uh, thank you so much for coming to this one, um, and thank you for being here. As um, Mark said, we're thinking about struggling with stress. Um, hopefully, you've got one of these handouts. Your first job is to fold it in half so it becomes a little mini booklet. Um, and um, uh, let me start. I thought I'd start just by, if you like, finding out how um, how interesting a bunch of people you are. Okay, uh, and I'd like to do that by finding out. Um, on your CV, your re- resume, or if you haven't ever written one, if you would write a CV, a resume of yourself, um, what do you put down under the other interests? You know how there's always sort of at the end of a CV, other interests. Uh, what do you put down? Maybe it's bungee jumping or elephant racing or sword juggling or knitting. I don't know what it is. What do you put down as your other interests on your CV? So if you can just turn to your neighbour just in twos and threes, and just discuss what do you put under your other interests, and then we'll get a bit of feedback to see who, who has the most interesting other interests, okay? Go for it. Um, let's draw us back together again. And uh, it'd be great just to hear from a few people, maybe the, you, you can shout out what the other person you were speaking to uh, has said is their other interests on their CV. Some, let's hear some interesting other interests that people have. Walking, there we go. Walking. Okay, that's interesting a bit. Uh, <laughs> let's see if we can get anything more radical than walking. Uh, other interests that people put down. Say again. Classic cars. There we go. Classic cars. Uh, can you give me anything bigger than classic cars? So there's an other interest. More way out there, more wacky. What was that? You're, I'm sure there's, I'm sure you're all deeply fascinated. Any other other interests? Sailing. Sailing, great. Let's have a couple more. E-bikes. Who? E-bikes. Electric bikes. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Fantastic. Great. Well, right, two more. Rhythm and rhyme choir. That sounds amazing. And swing dancing. There we go. So we got you see a fascinating bunch. That is wonderful to hear. Um, now, one of my friends. Under his uh, other interests on his CV, uh, he puts free diving. Um, now, for those of you who don't even know, uh, like me, what is free diving? I didn't know until he told me. Free diving is very simply uh, where you uh, take your breath and you dive deep down and you see how deep you can go. Okay? And that's all you do. So this friend of mine, Andy, he spends weekends and he goes off uh, to this place in Dorset uh, for the whole weekend. And he spends all day Saturday uh, and all day Sunday in a giant cylinder full of water. This cylinder is uh, 10 metres in diameter. I think it's about sort of 50, 60 metres uh, in depth. And he spends the whole time, he's got giant flippers on, just diving down to see how deep he can dive. So it's a bit like a sort of ant in a tube of Smarties, if you get the picture. And then he just dives deep down to see how deep he can go. Now, obviously, the main challenge with that sport, uh, if you can call it a sport, uh, is firstly being able to hold your breath for a long time. Uh, Andy uh, can now hold his breath for four or five minutes. Uh, I tried to see how long I could hold my breath for, conked out after about 15 seconds. Um, But more critically, the challenge with free diving is to be able to manage the greater pressure that is obviously exerted on you as you go deeper and deeper down into the water. So Andy's had to learn how to, if you like, equalise the pressure in his ears and his sinuses and his mask 
so that he's able to keep going down further and further and further into the water despite the increasing pressure. Now, he's a very capable swimmer. When he was uh, at university, he was captain of the university water polo team. But I, I think he's a complete nutter doing what he does. But there you go. But, but free diving is actually a very helpful picture as we think about stress in this session. It's a helpful picture of what many of us experience in our day-to-day lives. Because there are times in life when we find ourselves experiencing increased pressure. Increased pressure, not from diving down like a, like a mermaid in a giant cylinder of water, but increased pressure just from the circumstances of life that we might be facing at any given time. Maybe it's increased pressure in some relationship. Maybe increased pressure because we're moving house. Increased pressure because we're ill. Increased pressure because we've got financial worries. Increased pressure because we're late to catch a train. Uh, increased pressure from having young children. Increased pressure because we're about to take an exam. Uh, increased pressure because of what's going on for us in work. There can be all sorts of different things. But all of those things, they're examples of where we are like that free diver. We're, we're if you like, diving deep into the water and experiencing increased pressure. So you see, uh, if I was trying to define stress, I'd define it as this. Stress is the reaction of mind and body to increased pressure. You see that that first heading, what is stress, and in what situations does it affect you? Stress, it's the reaction of mind and body to increased pressure. And for our purposes, as we think about stress, if you like, as a negative concept, stress happens when we feel that we are unable to cope with the increased pressure that we're facing. And that can happen in many different ways. It can happen when there's you know, too much work that's landed on our plate with unrealistic deadlines at work. It can happen when we have a nightmare relationship with our boss and we just don't know how to cope. It can happen when uh, our children are, are keeping us awake all night and we're feeling exhausted. Uh, it can happen when we feel the threat of unemployment and we can't see any other options. It, it can happen when there seems like there's no positive outcome for the relationship that we're in. It can happen when we're diagnosed with cancer. All all those different types of times can be times when we feel unable to cope with the increased pressure. And what I'd love us to do to start with, I'm not going to get you to to feedback because you may be sharing some personal things, but just with your next door neighbour, I'd love you to see at the bottom of um, section one there, I'd love you just to discuss these two questions um, with the person next to you. And they're these. What is it? that causes you most stress at the moment. Now, for some of you, it may be very little. Uh, Maybe you're in a fairly stress-free time at the moment. For other people, it'll be a live issue right now. You know what causes you stress right now. But as well as what is causing you most stress right now, what has caused you most stress in the past? In the past, what has caused you most stress in your life? So just a few moments, uh, a few minutes, just with the person next to you, to just share as openly and honestly as you can uh, about that. What does stress look like for you? Go for it. Okay. Fantastic. Let's come back together again, and we'll move on um, to uh, point two there. What are the effects of stress? So hopefully you've talked about um, when the times that you have felt stress, what kind of situations. Uh, But let's now just think a little bit about what are the effects of stress. 
So we've thought about times where we feel unable to cope with the increased pressure in our life. And, and that we've said the definition is we're unable to cope uh, with this increased pressure in our life. And as a result, we have a negative reaction of mind and body. Negative reaction of mind and body. What are these effects? What are these negative reactions? What are these effects of being stressed? Uh, when we're stressed, the stress can show itself psychologically in the mind. So we become distracted. We're unable to concentrate. We get anxious. We can become aggressive, become irrational, become self-absorbed, lose perspective. So stress can show itself psychologically in the mind, but stress can also show itself physically too in the body. So not being able to eat, not being able to sleep, uh, tightness around the chest. Um, if I give uh, just sort of my personal examples, if I think of two times when I've been, uh, I, I've sort of particularly noticed a time of stress uh, in my life, I think of the first time when I was a management consultant and um, in the sort of a, a period leading up to, I used to help um, manage the, the company I worked for, Accenture, their relationship with the World Economic Forum. They had that big meeting uh, in Davos, the World Economic Forum annual meeting. And I was sort of like a glorified bag carrier, basically, for the big cheeses in the company. But um, the few weeks leading up uh, to that meeting in Davos uh, was mega busy at work, working really long hours. And um, how stress looked for me then was being unable to sleep. That I was working so hard, I had so much going on, so much uh, in, in my mind, um, and it was having a negative reaction on me physically that I was unable to sleep. I had to go to the doctor to get a sleeping pill. Okay, so that's one example. Uh, second example um, would be uh, after being a management consultant for a while, um, I moved to work uh, in a church, All Souls Langham Place. Uh, I was age 26 then, and uh, I hadn't really had any training, and suddenly I was an associate minister of quite a large uh, church in London and uh, running the workplace ministry there, so midweek lunchtime services for people that worked uh, in the West End. And it was very much, by the grace of God, flying by the seat of my pants. I didn't really have a clue what I was doing, uh, and suddenly I was the pastor of these two congregations. And it was an amazing time, but it was quite stressful. Uh, there were so many things that were way outside of my comfort zone. And I used to start just getting feeling a bit, a bit of tightness in the chest, and I didn't really think much of it. And then there was one day I was late for a meeting and I was running uh, just uh, around the back of the BBC to the meeting. And suddenly I just began to go all blurry and, and blacked out and fainted. And um, I thought it was something wrong with my heart. And I was sent for all these tests, ECG tests, all these different things. They all came back totally clear. And actually, as we began to talk it through with the doctor, it was stress. And actually, for, for me, in some ways, I sort of think now that it's sort of like God's warning sign to me. If ever I start to feel a little bit tight in the chest, I, I, I know that's I'm beginning to get too stressed. Uh, and there's too much on. The pressure is too much. I need to work out how to uh, to solve that so that I'm not uh, having so much pressure exerted on me. Now, stress can affect anyone. Stress can affect everyone. And the effects of stress are no small thing. Uh, research from Harvard University says that work stress is as harmful to health as smoking or taking no exercise. The Institute of Personnel and Development says in the UK, 6.5 million working days are lost uh, to sickness due to stress. Uh, Booper reckoned that 270,000 uh, 270, people take time off work every day due to stress. Stress has overtaken the common cold as the biggest cause of sickness from work. And so I guess in a group of people this size, uh, pretty much 
all of us will have struggled with stress at some point or other. And as I say, there'll be many of us here for whom struggling with stress is a live issue right now. I remember talking to someone uh, who was an accountant. He was really bright. And he told me that he had been in tears uh, at least once a week, every week for the previous <coughs> couple of months, because he just couldn't cope with the stress of his work. So to go back to the definition for him, the increased pressure in his work was having a negative effect on his mind and his body, causing him to find himself sobbing in the loo in his workplace at least once a week. So again, I I wonder if you might turn uh, over this uh, sheet to the inside. And I wonder again in twos uh, and threes. And again, I'm not going to ask you to feedback because I know some of this stuff will be quite personal. Uh, I just want us to discuss what negative effects of stress have you felt personally? What negative effects in mind or in body, what negative effects have you felt personally? And uh, it'd be so great if you if you felt able to be willing to be as vulnerable and open uh, about it as you can be. As I say, it might be harm to your body, uh, to your health, it might be harm to your relationships with your family and your friends. It might be harm to your involvement in church. It might be harm to your ability to live a godly life. It might be harm to your relationship with God. How have you seen the negative effects of stress in your life? So just begin to talk about those just in twos and threes. And then after you've talked about that for a bit, I'd love you to sort of turn to thinking about, if you like, that's the problem, solving the problem. And I'd love you to just talk through how do you currently deal with stress and worry when you experience it? How do you deal with it? And do you think you deal with it in the way that Jesus would want you to? Okay, so to start by just talking about the negative effects for you. What does it look like? And then say, how do you go about dealing with that? Go for it. I'll give you five or six minutes to do that. Okay. Okay. If I can bring us back together again. Wonderful. Let's, um, hopefully that's been helpful just to um, just begin to share uh, with one another. What we're going to look at now is go to point three on the handout. And what are popular stress management techniques? Okay. I thought it was uh, important to spend a fair amount of time thinking about the problem of stress. But now I'd love us to turn in the second half of the seminar to the solution for those stressful times. So the question is, can the pressure be managed like Andy manages and equalises the increased pressure as he dives down into that tank of water? Can that pressure that we experience, can it be managed? Well, stress management, as it's called, is big business. If you look into it, uh, you'll read various suggestions of techniques for, for managing stress, such as meditation, progressive relaxation, cognitive therapy, stress balls, time management. Uh, you'll read little tips of um, accepting offers of practical help, ta- talking to someone, uh, taking a holiday, hitting a pillow to let off steam. Uh, my favourite tip for stress that I've read uh, was diffusing lemon extract into the air. <laughs> The scientific proof on this, according to research in workplaces, computer keyboard errors have been shown to fall by over 50% when lemon is diffused into the office atmosphere. Now, I don't want to knock all those things I've just mentioned. Some of them are very helpful. I'm not going to be handing out free samples of lemon extract at the end, I'm afraid. Um, But this is the, the flaw with the things that I've just said. And the flaw is this. All those remedies try to deal with the symptoms of stress, the symptoms, what we can see on the surface, whereas Jesus' teaching that we're going to look at goes to the underlying cause. And Jesus begins to help us just think through 
how to manage our stress at the deep underlying causal level. And so to answer what is Jesus's, if you like, stress management technique, uh, go to point four, and I'm going to read Matthew chapter six, uh, verses 25 to 34, a bit you'll know well uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. Let me read it. Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, of course, Jesus didn't speak this passage in the Sermon on the Mount uh, specifically and exclusively uh, with stress in mind. But I think you'll agree, as Jesus spoke this sermon to his disciples back then, and as we, his disciples now, as we read these words, I'm sure you'll agree that this, this, this passage has got special relevance for us in terms of the whole area of stress. And it is a challenging teaching from Jesus. Because Jesus, if you like, in this passage, he is drawing a division between two groups of people. He's drawing a division not between those who face stressful situations and those that don't. That's not the division. We all face stressful situations. Now, the division is based on how we cope with stressful situations. And I think the challenge for many of us here is that Jesus says that many of us who think of ourselves as very Christian, we are Christians, actually, when it comes to the area of stress and worry, we act just like the person who is not a Christian. And I've got to say to my shame, that's often me, acting just like the person who is not a Christian when it comes to times of worry and stress. So Jesus is teaching, in a sense, it is a challenge to us who are Christians. But it is also a passage of huge help because Jesus gives us what, I, what I've called stress management in three dimensions. And the first dimension is this, the intellectual dimension. And it's an intellectual dimension very simply because Jesus, if you like, is giving us a lesson in logic. And as he does, us, does this, he wants us to use our brains. He wants us to use our brains and see that worry is a waste of time. That's what he wants us to do in terms of the intellectual dimension. See that worry is a waste of time. Just have a look, would you, at verse uh, 27. Verse 27, he says, uh, Who of you, can, sorry, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Jesus says we cannot add anything to our lives by worrying. Worry can only subtract from our lives by causing things like ill health. He says it's foolish to worry. Or, or verse 34, the last verse, therefore don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
So he's saying worry, it's about tomorrow, but it is experienced today. He says when we worry, when when we're stressed in the present about some event that may or may not happen in the future. John Stott writes on this verse, he says, if our fear does not materialise, we have worried once for nothing. If it does materialise, we have worried twice instead of once. In both cases, it is foolish. Worry doubles trouble. So he's saying it's, it's a waste of time and effort and emotion to worry. So that's the intellectual dimension. See that worry is a waste of time. Second dimension of Jesus' stress management appeals not so much to our intellect as to our emotions, the emotional dimension to dealing with stress and worry. Have a look at verse 26. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Now, it's important to say that uh, Jesus' command, do not worry, it's not an excuse for idleness. It's not an excuse for carelessness, not, not sort of being bothered about anything. You know, birds aren't idle. Uh, you know, they, they work very hard to get their food and they give thought to the future. They store food, they build nests, they migrate to hotter climates. Uh, birds work hard. But they display activity without anxiety. You may have heard the little um, poem that goes like this. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. See, Jesus is saying here that the birds trust in a creator in a way that we human beings seem incapable of trusting our heavenly father. Uh, We, just before we came here to to Northern Ireland, we were on holiday in Cornwall. And um, uh, Theo, our youngest, who you may have seen around, he's he's age one. He was very keen on going into the water, a bit too keen at times. Um, But it reminded me of our eldest, uh, Daisy. Uh, She's now 11, but back when she was um, the same age as Theo, sort of one and three quarters. uh, When we were down in Cornwall, um, back 10 years ago, Daisy also loved going into the sea. And we bought Daisy this tiny little surfboard. It was about sort of that size. Uh, she was a little bit confused, always. She used to refer to it as her ironing board. And we were like, no, no, it's not an ironing board. It's a surfboard. Um, but I'd hold her on, on the surfboard, and she'd catch these tiny, weeny little waves. But when we weren't surfing, uh, again and again, Daisy, age one and three quarters, uh, she would just point at the sea, and she'd just go, out, out, out. And then she'd just charge into the sea. And... Um, I'd be there sunbathing away with the glorious uh, Cornish sunshine, um, at not. Uh, and, um, and, uh, and so, you know, this, this little one three-quarter-year-old going into the water, I thought I probably ought to go and look after her. So I, I'd, I'd get up and I'd run after her and I'd hold Daisy's hand as she walked out right up to her neck and beyond. And each time a sort of a big Cornish wave came, just sort of pulling her up so she didn't go completely under. Now, partly that kamikaze behaviour was because Daisy, at the time, she's a bit more sensible now, but at the time she was a naturally sort of an adrenaline junkie thrill seeker. Um, But partly it was because she trusted me, her dad. So Daisy didn't mind charging into the sea when she was only 20 months and couldn't swim. She didn't mind walking almost out of her depth into the sea. She didn't mind waves much bigger than her coming her way because she trusted that I would look after her. 
She trusted me because she knew, even at that young age, she knew she had a dad who, uh, very imperfect though I am, she knew she had a dad who loved her and valued her. And you know, how much more should we who are Christians trust our perfect Heavenly Father? As all my children grow up, I won't be able to catch them in all the different things that they charge into and all that they get up to in life. I won't be able to be around the whole time. I'm going to make mistakes. I'll do the wrong thing. I'll say the wrong thing. But each one of us as Christians, we have a great God. We have a great God, a heavenly father who looks after us perfectly, who won't necessarily wrap us in cotton wool, but who will always be with us and always do what is best for us and care for us in the best way. And if we start believing that, then we will be able to manage our stress far better because we will not be people of little faith in a little God. No, we have a heavenly father. We have a great God who is more than big enough to take care of every little detail of our lives that we get so worried and so stressed out about. We have a great God. But also just just look at that phrase that Jesus repeats in this passage. Just look back at verse 26 again, would you? He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And then look down at verse 28, where he talks about the lilies and the grass rather than the birds. Uh, uh, Verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, and is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? He says, are you not much more valuable than they? Will he not much more clothe you? Much more. Jesus wants us to realise not only how great and mighty our heavenly father is, but he also wants us to realise how much more valuable, much more precious we are to him than anything else in all creation. He wants us to realise not just our great God, but he wants us to realise our great value. Our great value. Jesus tells us, he said, look at the birds, look at the flowers, look at the grass of the field. And we all love to look at beautiful things in this world. But so often what happens is we look at the beautiful things in this world, we draw the wrong conclusion. We think that God must be really present in that spectacular setting or that he must really care about that beautiful view. And then we look at ourselves in the mirror and in most cases it's not such a beautiful view. And we just can't believe that God cares for us and the details of our little lives. And Jesus says, what rubbish. What absolute rubbish. Jesus says it it cost God just a word to create this world. But it cost God the life of Jesus to bring you and I into relationship with him. Christ's first priority in his death was not to rescue the blue whale or the lesser spotted kingfisher or the Niagara Falls. Christ's first priority in his death was to rescue you and me. How much more valuable are we to God? And it is when we combine the greatness of God with the great value that he places on us, it's then that we feel the full force of the emotional dimension of Jesus' stress management. Because we see that Jesus wants me and Jesus wants you to savour how valuable we are to our Heavenly Father. That's what he wants us to do. That is the emotional dimension, to savour how valuable you are to your Heavenly 
Father. And I really do mean savour it. Let our emotions be helped and buoyed up by God's greatness and your great value. And please note, I am teaching this to myself as much as to any of you. As I've said, I get stressed. I worry too much. Just ask Susanna. Uh, I get stressed about the future. I worry about provision for me and the family, about decisions to be made. I worry. I need to hear this lesson, just as I guess many of you do too. So we've had the intellectual dimension. Uh, We've had the emotional dimension. And then the third dimension, uh, over the page, onto the back page, the practical dimension to stress. Uh, One day, a few years ago now, I was meeting, uh, I was walking to a meeting Uh, with someone in London, when as I was standing on the corner of two streets, I was standing there, some police motorbikes uh, pulled up directly in front of me, they stopped all the traffic, and they allowed these three smart black cars just to drive past without having to stop. And as you know, there's always quite a lot of traffic in London. Uh, And as the cars, as they turned around the corner right in front of me, who should I see through the the darkened windows of the back seat of the second car? It must have just been a couple of metres away, but who should I see but the Prime Minister of the time, who was Gordon Brown? And he had some papers on his lap, and he was talking to someone on his mobile phone. Now, I don't know what you would have thought in a situation like that if you'd been me, but I've got to admit, my first thought was this. I thought, lucky Gordon, he doesn't need to worry about traffic jams in London. (laughs) But it's true, isn't it? With the police stopping all the traffic, Gordon needn't worry about being held up or being late for a meeting. He needn't worry about that. And it enables him to worry about the more important matters. You know, whatever his papers and his phone conversation was about. I don't know. Terrorism, the the state of the NHS. And in a way, Jesus is saying a similar thing to us. He's saying, Gordon doesn't worry about the traffic, so he can worry about the more important thing, terrorism. And Jesus says to us, don't worry about verse 31, so that we can worry about the more important thing, verse 33. Have a look, would you? Verse 31. He says, don't worry. This is don't worry. Don't worry about this. Don't worry, saying, what should we eat? Or what should we drink? Or what should we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But, so this is what to worry about. He says, don't worry about verse 31, but do worry about this. Verse 33. But <laughs> seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You see, in one way, we... If you like, we have been made to worry and stress. We are not supposed to just sort of float aimlessly through life. But so often our focus is on the wrong things. And Jesus says the practical dimension to stress management, what we are to do, the practical dimension is to switch our perspective. To switch our perspective, whatever it may be, you know, our our salary, our health, our prospects, our children's prospects, they so often dominate our thinking. They're not wrong things to think about. But Jesus says, no, switch to focusing on the things that matter most. And he says the things that matter most are God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Seek them first. Now, as I say, please don't get me wrong. He's not saying that we shouldn't be concerned about anything else. He's not saying that. Jesus thinks, though, it is right to have a priority of concerns. You know, if you look at the end of verse 25, he's already said, life is more important than food. The body is more important than clothes. So it's right to be concerned about other things. But we need to have a right priority of concerns. And so often we have the wrong thing at top priority. Just for a moment, just think, what is your top concern at the moment? 
What, what is dominating your thinking? Maybe you're stressing work-wise about how Brexit will affect you. It's important, but it's not of first importance. Are you stressing about how much you should be paid? It's important, but it's not of first importance. Are you stressing about how to cope with this highly irritating individual in your life? It's important, but it's not of first importance. Are you stressing about how your children do in their exams? It's important, but it's not of first importance. Jesus says, switch to focusing on the things that matter most. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And seeking God's kingdom, I take to mean desiring the spread of Jesus. Jesus, who is the king of the kingdom. It means wanting Jesus to be king, to rule in all areas of our lives and wanting him to be king in other people's lives too. And then seeking God's righteousness, for sure it's linked. Perhaps more it has a focus on encouraging God's standards in society. Not so much about the rule of God as about our right living for God. And Jesus says these two things. He says God's kingdom, God's righteousness, his rule, our right living. Those are the things that matter most. And Jesus actually says this, doesn't he? He says if we do put God's kingdom and God's righteousness first, then the rest of life actually begins to fall into shape. If you look at verse 33 again, he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. He's saying all these other things, they do have a place in our life, just not first place. Not first place. So I wonder if you might hold in your mind the thing that is causing most stress to you at the moment. You'll have talked about it at the beginning of the seminar with your next door neighbour. That area where for you, you feel like that free diver experiencing increased pressure and there's that challenge of feeling like you can't cope. And I want to encourage you to apply, if you like, Jesus's three dimensions of stress management to that area of your life. That is going to mean different things for different people here. For a few of you, that may mean needing to get right away from the pressure. It may mean need to, as it were, for you to swim back to the surface. Maybe if it's something to do with your job, it may mean for someone here to quit your job because of all the stress that it is causing. For some people here, there will be times when we need to get specialist help from the doctor or to get specialist help from a counsellor. And there is no shame in that. It is a good and a right thing to do. But for all of us, it will mean this. In your thinking, see that worry is a waste of time. In your feelings, savour how valuable you are to your Heavenly Father. And in your actions, switch to focusing on the things that matter most. And I think you'll agree that these three dimensions are the best stress management technique on the market today. There is a catch. Money can't buy this stress management package. It is simply a free bonus gift for the person who trusts in the one true God. Now what I'm going to suggest now is that we, we just have a few minutes, just maybe two minutes of quiet, just to reflect 
further before the Lord, just each of us personally, on the area of stress that you've been holding in your mind. Just the thing that's causing stress for you in your life at the moment. And just in the quiet with the Lord, I'd just love you to just try and answer these two questions. You may want to jot down your thoughts on the back page there. Uh, How can Jesus' stress management technique be applied to the current area of stress for you? And then which of these three dimensions do you most struggle with living out? So before we have any more discussion in our twos and threes, let's just take two or three minutes just to quiet personally for us before the Lord, praying, just contemplating, reflecting on those two questions and just applying them to the area of stress for you at the moment. So let's just take a couple of minutes just a silence. And when you're ready, if you, if you feel able to, I'd love you just to, um, again, just go back in your pairs um, with the, or your threes with people you're talking to. Just share something, anything you want to. Don't share anything you don't want to with the person next door to you, just about what you've been thinking. And if, if you're willing to, it'd be great just maybe just to, to then just pray for each other. Just pray a short prayer if you're willing to, uh, to just pray for each other. So four or five minutes just to do that. Okay. If you'd be drawing um, those prayers or conversations to a close, and then I'm going to wrap up uh, by finally just one prayer praying for us all. So, shall I pray? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We marvel at how valuable we are to you. The Lord Jesus saying, how much more valuable. Father, thank you that we are so precious to you that your son died to rescue us. And Father, by the power of your spirit, we pray that this truth would imprint itself in each of our minds and our hearts and our emotions. Lord God, help us to know that you are more than big enough to deal with every detail of our lives. And so, Father, please help us to trust you. And today we pray particularly for those here who are currently experiencing a huge amount of pressure in their life. And we pray that you would minister to them by the power of your Spirit. And we pray that you help each one of us to focus first on your kingdom and your righteousness. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.